Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through the Lawyerist Lab and Accelerator. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast host. Hi, I'm Kelly Street. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 304 of the Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, Laura's talking with Becca Syme all about what it means to not only discover, but actively lean into your strengths and use them in different areas of your life. Today's podcast is brought to you by Smith.ai, LaPay, Text Expander, and Back Office Bettys. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. So stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. So Kelly, I want to officially welcome you to this portion of the Lawyers Podcast. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. I am uh, just grateful to be here. So if you didn't recognize already, first of all, Kelly does the intro, like the official, what's that called? Intro of our podcast? Yeah. You've been a guest on the podcast before, but this is your first time doing this portion. <laughs> yeah, I have indeed. I know it's um, it's really fun to have been peripherally on the edge of lawyerist for the last five and a half years because my husband is the CEO of Lawyerist um, and yes. <laughs> helped create it with with Sam Glover. So um, yeah, so I've been around for about five years, but really working in legal for about the last three. And so it just kind of felt like a natural progression of being around lawyerists to join the team uh, when there was something that came up that seemed like a good fit for me. So here I am. Here you are. So it's official. If you haven't heard, Kelly Street's now officially on the team in the role of one of our Lawyerist Lab coaches. And we're super excited to have her here in the community, working with the community, working with the lawyers. So um, tell us, like, how's it been so far? <laughs> or, or, yeah, what's going on with it? Um, well, so far, so good. I have been, I have to say, so jealous of the lawyerist team culture and how much fun you guys have this like different version, not bro-y version of work hard, play hard, where you all are working really hard to make the future of law and the future of small law firms better, but you also have so much fun doing it. And I'm like, how do they manage to all like their jobs and like each other so much? And I think it's because we practice what we preach. And so, yeah, I'm just I'm happy to be around and and now be experiencing the thing that I've been seeing for so many years. Yeah. And so if people don't know your background, Tell us a little bit about the most relevant pieces, you know, the most recent history and, and what you've done with legal and how you're now using that and bringing that to the lab experience. Yeah. So over the last few years, I have both been at a legal digital marketing agency. So helping lawyers do better marketing. And then also most recently have been and still do a bit of remote work coaching and marketing and EOS or 
traction, kind of helping people understand how that can help their business on the side. So doing all of those things to really just help lawyers and law firms try to grow, but to grow intentionally and to grow with systems in place that will help their law firm be the kind of place they actually want to work. Yes. And in all fairness, I should point out, so we decided to add a new team member earlier this year and we wrote up the ad and the description of, you know, what we wanted this person in this role to be. And I actually reached out to you because I was like, Kelly, (laughs) have you thought about this role? Because I think you'd be perfect for it. And so, you know, you went through the process just like anyone else, but I feel like it's fair to say that I recruited you because I knew you'd be perfect for this role and you have been. And so I'm excited to work with you. You do fit our culture and our values and you bring an element of fun to the team that's new. So maybe we should just let the community get to know you a little bit better. So I don't know, tell us something about yourself that we wouldn't otherwise know that you feel comfortable sharing, obviously. (laughs) It doesn't have to be. Um, Okay. So I think one of the things that I love talking about so much is a little bit weird, but not super weird is that I am a, uh, like therapy and psychology junkie. Not that I am going to therapy all the time unnecessarily, but I just am such a big believer (laughs) in the power of self-development and self-led change in people. And, uh, so I think that's probably something also, uh, one of my perspectives that I bring as a coach as well is really helping people find the answers within themselves to then bring it out in their business. I love that. We did a training last week. Um, actually Aaron and I did, and it was all about how ultimately like you're in charge of your own personal development, right? And, and sometimes companies maybe get that piece a little bit backwards where we feel like it's the company's job to develop the person. And they kind of flipped that on their head and they were like, you know, it's your job to be in charge of your own development and where you go with your life and your career. And you want your company to support that and help you with that and acknowledge that, but they shouldn't be putting that on you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I I would have to say, I wholeheartedly agree with that. If there's something that you don't like about yourself or your situation, um, change it. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to change it. It might require some help from the outside. It might require re-engaging with your support system in a different way, but, um, change really is possible, you know, rainbows, shooting stars, all that good stuff. <laughs> Unicorns. Yes. I lo- well, I love it. I'm, I'm always the optimist. My husband laughs at me sometimes. He's like, like I'm a little crazy with it. And sometimes he's like, no realist, <laughs> but yeah. I believe that. So I love that you brought that to the show and that you brought that to the team and to the community. So super excited for people to connect with you more and hear your perspective. Cause you do bring such rich background and experience working with lawyers, but I think this angle is, is a good one too. Awesome. I would have to agree. Great. All right. Well, with that, we have a fun announcement. I think this is airing on Thanksgiving and we're grateful for our community and our people in it. So we've come up with something fun to do. Yes. With the holidays now in full swing, we wanted to give back to our community. And so we are giving away a limited number of our best-selling book, The Small Firm Roadmap. All you have to do is go to go.lawyerist.com slash book giveaway to enter for your free copy. Again, that's go.lawyerist.com slash book giveaway. The link is also available in our show notes. So happy reading. 
Now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Maddie from Smith.ai and then Laura's conversation with Becca. Hey, y'all. This is Zach, the legal tech advisor at Lawyerist, and I am here with Maddie Martin from Smith AI, here talking about virtual receptionists. Hey, Maddie. Hey, Zach. Nice to see you. Good to see you as well. So um, Smith AI, you guys have obviously been on this before. Um, Smith AI can help people out a lot in the, you know, the holidays coming up and help attorneys find some time. So what do you guys have going on right now? Yeah, that's a really good point. It's time to take a break from this sort of topsy-turvy year, to put it mildly. We have three things that are going on that I want to share with you. We've got a 50% off deal for two months that requires you to sign on by November 30th. So when this airs, it's going to be just a few days, but it's well worth your while because you're going to get 50% off with no limit on the discount. So you can take advantage of our mini, not even on our pricing page sort of secret plan, which is 10 calls only a month. Or you can have us handle thousands of calls a month. And we know that solo and small firms really need the flexibility of those options. So the 10 call plan would normally be $80 a month and it's just 40. So what I'm thinking is that makes a pretty sweet holiday gift for your friends who are attorneys starting their own firms or just want a little bit of a breather where every single call matters, even if you only get about 10 calls a month. So that'll cost you 40 bucks times two with the discount is $80. That's a no-brainer holiday gift for your friends. Absolutely. I mean, that might be a nice gift to give people for, uh, you know, referring attorneys, kind of keep them connected to you. Absolutely. And actually, we're doing something for our existing clients who we know are also, you know, part of the lawyerist affinity group and in this community that we love. So we are doing not only our regular $25 a month uh, discount on your bill if you are already a Smith AI client, but we are also giving you $200 Amazon gift cards for every new paying client you refer. So you can use that for all the rest of your holiday gifting. You can buy yourself something nice in addition to buying yourself a Smith AI. If you don't already have chat, by the way, you can actually even apply that 50% discount to a new chat plan if you're only a receptionist client. So it's actually per product or per service that you can apply the discount. So we'll consider you a new client on chat if you only have receptionist service on phones. Oh, that's fantastic. And and chat may be something that people really want to have uh, hanging around uh, you know, for 24-7 coming up into this holiday season. I would say so. And actually, we see that there is one net new lead for every four calls that you get. So that's easy math. If you get four calls, consider one new lead that you're actually missing who won't pick up the phone and call, who is looking for a silent solution to communicate with you. We know that lawyers deal with private matters, sensitive matters, especially with friends and family over, even family with the COVID-friendly social distancing that we're doing. You've still got family at home and probably the kids are home more than ever since they're maybe not in school right now, maybe elderly parents. You don't want to have everything heard when you're on the phone call with an attorney. So imagine how nice it is to just silently type into a web chat what it is that you need help with. So we find it's a really great solution for attorneys who are in areas where 
you know, when the kids are asleep or right during dinner, you need to say something. And that's the only time you had if your break of work in the day to get your communications out there, find yourself an attorney. Not everyone has the time and the ability and the the quiet home to make a phone call. That's a good point. So not only can people be, you know, around and have their office essentially open 24-7, but they're in people's pockets. They're right there and uh, able to integrate right into their system. And speaking of which, you guys integrate with a lot of case managements or, yeah, uh, CRMs and, and things like that. That's right. Yeah. So not only do we work with whatever phone system or website you're currently using, but we also integrate with most case management, practice management solutions, calendaring tools, uh, payment solutions like LawPay, you name it, we can plug right in vast majority of the time so that you're not doing that data entry chore of entering the information into your system after we handle that call or chat or text for you. And you can just focus on having really fantastic consultations with the leads that we pre-screen and schedule for you and being a lawyer, not being an admin. And that that's one of the big things is that's, you know, saving you admin time at the very least, you know, just bringing those leads right into your system. And so, Maddie, if if they want to learn more, they can obviously go to smith.ai and they can book a free consultation right there on the website, right? They absolutely can. And if you want to take advantage of that 50% off deal, then make sure that you use the code SMITH50OFF2MO. That's basically SMITH50OFF2 months but we say M-O to keep it short. And you can just visit our website. There's a big banner on it that talks about the offer and we will honor that for you. Even if you forget the code, just tell us you want 50% off and we will do that. Sounds good. Sounds easy enough. Well, thank you for being with us, Maddie. I appreciate uh, talking with you today. Thanks so much, Zach. You too. My name is Becca Syme, and I'm a success coach for authors. I work primarily with uh, fiction and nonfiction authors using the Clifton Strengths uh, Success Psychometric Assessment System. So we're talking about systemic success uh, in all areas of life. I love it. And that's how I originally found you. I read your books and I took one of your courses and had heard of the Strengths Finder before and did not realize how helpful it could be to understand you as a whole, you know, you as a writer, you as a person or employee or manager. I think it's really helpful the way that you um, explain that. So can you talk a little bit about what Strengths Finder is and why it would be valuable for someone to take that assessment? So the way it was created, unlike a lot of psychometric assessments, is that they were studying success to try to find out what the natural patterns were that existed. So as opposed to someone who decided there's four types of successful people and we're going to create a test for that, which those can also be helpful, but they're not quite as predictive as the version that uh, Donald Clifton, Dr. Donald Clifton came up with. And it was because he went after the most successful people that already existed in in all of these different industries, like they did 2 million interviews of the best of the best people looking for what the patterns were that already existed among successful people. So what they found was they combined differently to make different types of success, but there are 34 basic patterns that emerged from the data 
of these are the particular things that are related that you could be good at and that you could be a standout at because of course the standout capacity was what they were the most interested in. So the reason that I think strikes work so well in helping to find success for people is that it actually comes from the documented success of millions of people as opposed to like I said, like one sort of conscious theory, I guess. Right. And that makes sense. One of the things that I found really interesting is um, you take this assessment, it does take a little bit of your time and you want to be thoughtful about your answers to make sure it's as accurate as possible. One of the things that stood out to me is the uniqueness of the results. So can you talk a little bit more about what results you see when you take the strengths finder and how we can start to interpret those? So they're looking for the ways that you are the best right? So it's not just what do I like or what am I interested in? What do I prefer? It's what are the valid success patterns that exist in my life? So out of all the potential things that I could be good at, what are the five things that I'm the best at? And then how do those combine together? So in the report that you get, it's actually individualized to you based on how your full 34 layout and like the odds of having the same full 34 as someone else are one in 33.4 million or something like that. So it's, it's a very granular identity. And what it does is it tells you of the patterns that exist in successful people, what are the ones that I can count on myself for with near perfect performance consistently? And then once you get the report, you can take those results and say, okay, now how do I utilize these and to be better at what I am already doing as opposed to like, not a career change thing, right? Like it's not a, it's how do I use these to be a better writer or a better marketer or more productive, right? Yeah, I love that. I think that one of the things that it can be tempting to think about, and it sounds like it would be a mistake to do, is if you get the full report, you can see where you performed lowest, like the things that are kind of your weakest, right? Is this a case where should we pay attention to that? Or is this one of those things where it's like lean into your strengths and don't worry about the stuff that's at the bottom of the list? Right. Because what we're always worried about is what are my weaknesses <laughs> and how do I fix my weaknesses? But what we find with strengths instead is that your weaknesses are actually in your top five. For instance, I have very low empathy. I think it's 31 out of 34 in my 34. And my weakness is not that I'm not empathetic, right? My weakness is that sometimes my high communication goes overboard to a point where I over communicate and I'm not conscious of allowing other people to talk, right? So like I've had to learn how to manage that high communication to a point where it doesn't work against me anymore. Like what we always say about strengths is uh, they are like having nuclear power. You can either power the San Fernando Valley with them or you can blow up the world, right? <laughs> so what we want to do, because they have equal power, what we want to do is not blow up anything. <laughs> we want to use those powers for good. Um, and that's more of the, that's why we say don't, don't really bother with the bottom is because you'll go there and think, oh my gosh, my weakness is I have low discipline. 
no, it's not like your weakness is that something else is keeping you from getting the work done that's in your top five. So let's go and look at that because it's a stronger, more cemented pattern. Yeah. Are there any patterns around where people tend to score highest or is it really more of that individualized thing where people have very different top five strengths that come up? I'm just curious if there's any patterns in that data about certain ones that tend to float to the top or even to the bottom. Yeah, it's so individualized per person, but there definitely is data patterns. Like there are uh, a certain domain of strengths that tend to be lower in the general population. But again, the difference between the percentages is a difference of uh, less than 10%, right? So the highest occurring strength is somewhere between 19 and 20% of the population has uh, either responsibility achiever, relator, you know, something like that. But the lowest occurring strength is still only 12%. So it's not like there's a huge difference um, between those other than obviously in the law, like it's 20% of 7 billion is a lot bigger than than 12% of 7 billion. Um, So there's definitely a difference. Um, And you don't tend to see a lot of people with the same strengths that congregate together either because it can be too overwhelming to have too many people who are too similar to each other. Um, But it really is very individualized in terms of like, even though there's more strategic thinking strengths than influencing strengths, there still are a lot of influencers. Yeah. I like that way of thinking about it. I know that there are, you know, you talked a little bit about this, like you have even sort of a weakness in your top five strengths as well. And I know you've talked about those as, you know, balconies and basements. So the balconies are when you're performing at your highest within that strength. And the basement is you're still in that strength, but maybe it's not actually helping you so much. Can you talk a little bit about what, like maybe an example of what that might look like? Yeah. Like I always say the basement is where the bodies are buried. Like that's where we want to try not to go if at all possible. (laughs) Right. So like, so I have a number one input strength, which means that I like to take in a lot of information. So in a balcony, my input is, oh, do you need that? Let me find it for you. Right. Like I have links and resources and I collect information. It's part of what makes me able to be a really good coach because I'm not surprised by anything that anyone says. Because I've just like my input will just go and find it. If I'm ever surprised, I will research it. The basement, though, of that strength means that I can sometimes get so derailed by the internet that I will not get work done, right? Like the doom scrolling is the because I get so excited by new information, it's hard for me to turn that off. So I also happen to have a number 32 discipline. And I meant that intentionally, right? Like I have low discipline, but that's not my problem. Because when I am using my input in a balcony, I get a ton of work done because I'm extremely uh, productive when I need to be. But if I don't understand what's really keeping me from being productive, I'm going to apply the wrong Uh, execution tactics, the wrong to-do list items to that. Like what fixes a high input basement is not the same thing that fixes discipline, right? So being conscious of like applying the right fixes to the right problems, it's just like diagnosing. You need to know what's really wrong before you can really fix it. I think one of the things that was so helpful for me in interpreting my results, I have input in my top five. I also have 
deliberative and learner. And so for me, I always thought, well, there are certain projects where, yes, I am very slow in other people's interpretation because I have to gather all the data and look at it and think about it and don't ask me in a meeting a snap decision about something that's really strategic that I haven't gathered the data and evaluated all those options first. I really did see that as a weakness sometimes where I could feel like other people might get frustrated because I was that way. And I think there's a beautiful acceptance in like, oh, like this is actually something I can use to my advantage. I have to recognize when I'm going into that basement, but there are ways in which these are really valuable things that can work together. And it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's just like, for me, that really helped because I felt really bad about how long it takes me to outline things. I take, whether it's a book or some other project, that's far and away where I spend the most time. It's not the actual production of the thing or the revising of it. It would be that brainstorming, outlining, rearranging. And I I think you can reframe what you're thinking about when you're looking at your strengths, even when you're thinking about how they can delve into that basement. There's some ways that they can work together and you can kind of check yourself. Yeah, that's a really good point too, because the basement isn't uh, something that someone else can decide for you. Yeah. Right. So somebody who's high in activator, which is the quick, like, let's get this done. The, yeah. the impatience sort of strength, the right. <laughs> ready fire aim strength, which is hilarious because it's so accurate. But those people will often look at a high deliberative person and say, you're taking too long. Why can't we do this faster? And so the activator person doesn't get to decide what's a basement for a deliberative person, right? Because what we want out of activator, what activators best self is, is different from what a deliberative best self is. So what we want to decide is, especially if I'm like on a team, I'm managing a team, when do we need the activator and when do we need the deliberative? When is it beneficial to go slow and thoughtfully and thoroughly? And when is it beneficial to go quickly and to not gather and to not process on that same level? And so if that's what I'm doing as a manager, then I want to be conscious of who is the best person to take the lead in any one individual moment. And if I'm an individual person who has those strengths and I know like a low activator, high deliberative is just not going to move as fast as a high activator. And so we have to learn how to help the activator value the slow thoroughness of the correct decision-making, right? And then you help the deliberative value, the activator catalyzing them to move at a more quick pace, uh, as opposed to like, we should be one way. Well, no, we shouldn't. We should be whatever we are. Right. And that person probably isn't acting that way to drive you crazy on purpose. It's just a difference in strengths where they see their way is just like, they're not really going to budge from that and not because they're trying to purposefully be difficult for you, but that's how they've always done things. So maybe that six month project to decide on a rollout of something is more appropriate for the person who needs lots of time to think about it, but they'll do a really awesome job evaluating every option. So you can feel really confident with whatever decision they've made. Whereas if it's a more in the moment situation, it's kind of like, okay, I can lean on that activator style team member. Exactly. And then you get to take advantage of what each brings to the table and not feel like there's something wrong with me because I'm not, you know, I'm not fast enough or I'm not slow enough or I make mistakes or whatever. Like all of the things that we say about ourselves, and this is so true about 
and strengths illustrates this. Whenever I say something like, well, that's just common sense. Well, everybody should do that. <laughs> right. And I'm always like, okay, question the premise. There's no such thing as common sense because everybody's common sense is different. And I don't mean that to be petulant, right? Like I actually mean, if you were to ask a number one achiever, what is common sense to them? They'd be like, well, working as hard as you possibly can and reaching the next rung on the ladder and pushing and like being really driven, right? And then you ask a number one adaptability, what's common sense? And they'd be like the opposite of what everything that you just said is what I think is common sense. What only makes sense that you would just go with the flow and that you'd be happy with whatever you get, right? And the achievers are all looking at them like, you're crazy. I think you're actually crazy. That's not common sense at all, but it's all about how you filter the information yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think this comes up a lot. I mean, it comes up a lot with writers because everybody has their own writing process. Yeah. And there's the people who are like, oh, just get up every day at five and write a thousand words. And it's like, oh, that doesn't yes. really work for everybody. Oh my gosh, there may yes. be that. <laughs> There may be that person who literally sits down in a weekend and cranks out half of a manuscript. And yeah. so there's nothing wrong with either approach. Yeah. I think it comes up um, with attorneys too, because we get that a lot in our community. Well, how are you doing client intake and how are you doing feedback from your clients and giving them a gift or a thank you or asking for a testimonial at the end? And it's like, what works for someone else may not work for you. Maybe yeah. it spurs an idea that you can translate into what does that look like for me and my brand and my firm and the team strengths that we have, but it's not, I think this is where people often get frustrated. They're like, yeah. well, someone else told me steps A, B, C, I did them. And it didn't I didn't work. get the results. Yeah. 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 It has to be individualized to you, right? It yeah. does. It's so funny because the, uh, on the podcast that I do, the very ending of the intro is uh, everyone can tell you what works for them and they can tell you it might not work for you, but they can't tell you why I can tell yeah. you why. Right. Because the difference is, let's say the person who gives really great, thoughtful, amazing client gifts. Right. And mm -hmm. you say, everyone should do this because this is the way this is how I got all of my clients. And that's like maybe a high individualization person. And then you have somebody with 34 individualization who's like, <laughs> it takes me 14 hours to think of a gift. And then it's not even nearly as thoughtful as yours. And I'm like, okay, that's a misappropriation of advice that you got. Because essentially what that person was telling you was, I'm a really thoughtful gift giver. And therefore my clients really appreciate when I give gifts. And so is there something that you could do that you're equally as good at that would make them feel thoughtful? It might be, and this is going to be so crazy, right? It might literally be just getting your stuff done on time so that it doesn't cost them more money. And you become the person who's really well known for efficiency and delivering quickly and getting them exactly what they need. And you're not the person who gets them the big fancy gifts. And that becomes okay because then what you're known for as a person or as a firm is this is what our brand promises and this is how we deliver on it. And it's not going to be what somebody else's is. It's going to be yours alone. So powerful. Yeah. We're going to pause to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, LawPay, as the ability to accept payments online becomes an increasingly essential part of your practice. LawPay provides your firm with a proven and trusted solution. With LawPay, you receive a simple, secure way to accept client credit cards and e-check payments from anywhere. 
LawPay understands the unique compliance requirements placed on attorneys, which is why their solution was developed specifically to correctly separate earned and unearned fees and protect IOLTA accounts from any third-party debiting, giving you peace of mind that your transactions are always handled correctly. To learn more or to get started, visit LawPay.com lawyerist today. Get it right every time. Text Expander makes it easy to give your team the right words for every situation. Whether you need to keep legal happy or delight customers with effective answers, you can rest easy knowing your team has it covered. The latest version of Text Expander even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations, including the ability to build reports with customizable date ranges for enterprise and individuals, so you can track how much time your team saves. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current, work faster and smarter, keep the whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language, and share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And Lawyerist Podcast listeners get 20% off their first year by visiting textexpander.com podcast to learn more. Support for today's episode comes from Back Office Betty's, the only virtual receptionist service exclusively dedicated to small law firms that offers a plan with unlimited calls. Their highly specialized service boasts customized call handling, relentlessly friendly team members, and unmatched quality. The Betty's are ready to help you grow your firm even when you're out of the office. Visit backofficebetty's.com lawyerist to try them out for one week free. Use the promo code PODCAST to receive $150 off your first month. Okay, we're back. So now we know we've got to do the strengths finder for ourselves yeah. to better understand the best way to lean into the strengths and quit stressing out about the stuff that's at the bottom of the list. Yeah. How do we use that in a team setting, right? Like I can imagine this could be a really powerful part of the hiring process. I've heard people say like, if you're a co-founder of a company, you want to look for somebody who has like the butterfly other side of your strengths so that you're not, you know, you mentioned earlier this idea of butting heads with people who have too much in common in the top. How do we kind of make those decisions about whether it's what's right for the team or is it based on certain roles? I'm just sort of curious about that. Yeah, the um, so the Strengths Finder is uh, put out by Gallup of the Gallup poll people. And they actually have another test that I would suggest if you want to think about what roles do we still need to fill, right? Like who's going to fill the rainmaker role? Who's going to fill the manager role? And it's called the BP10. And there's only 10 designations. And it's really, really good if you have small teams and you're looking for like what kind of role do we still need to be filled? Where I see the strengths finder helping more often is in things like, okay, we've got this person on the team. Here's all the people on the bus and here's all the strengths that they have. How do we more fully utilize this person to be the best possible version of themselves? How do we maximize all of the traits on a team? And, and here's an example that I see a lot. You'll have somebody who is not in leadership who doesn't have any power, but who happens to have really great ideas and is very high in, uh, there's two strengths, ideation, which is the creative thinking strength, and then strategic, which is a very intuitive, quick thinking strategy strength, right? So you have somebody who doesn't have any power, but who has a natural capacity to brainstorm and problem solve that's just 
out of bounds, like they're crazy good at it, but they might be in a role that doesn't provide them the power to be able to speak up to their elders or their seniors and say, uh, hey, have you thought about this? Maybe we could do this, right? So uh, an example of using strengths on a team would be to say, hey, I know you have really high ideation and strategic. Maybe you could join our brainstorming team, or maybe you could be on our strategic planning team, even though you might not be in a paid role that would do that. But it, it throws up all the strengths onto the table and says, how do we use these collectively to get farther forward as a business? And how do we then, because the, the Gallup metrics are they used to be six and a half, and now I think it's seven and a half times more likely to love your job if you feel valued in your job for what you bring to the table that's unique. So if I feel like my bosses know who I am and they want to utilize me to my most high effectiveness, I'm six to seven times more likely to be happy and to stay at my job. So I feel like the strengths is a really good retention tool for employees, because if you as a boss are saying, I care about you and I care about what you're good at, that's going to go such a long way to creating the kind of like long running team that's going to care about your business and that's going to want to work for you and want to be part of what you're doing. It's sort of like the investment in them will yield long-term results. I wonder, is the kind of opposite of that a worthwhile exercise too? Is it possible that there's an employee that for whatever reason, you know, wasn't aware of their strengths or weaknesses, the ones at the bottom of the list, or has been transitioned into a role where they're actually being asked to perform in a way that would be more appropriate for someone with different strengths? Is there something we can do as leaders and managers to, to think about that and be mindful of that. And just because I think like within our own team at Lawyerist, we move tasks back and forth occasionally. And it's kind of, you know, a little bit of an internal joke. You get hired and your job description looks completely different from what you actually end up doing day to day. And some of that is because someone might spot, hey, you're actually really good at making those kinds of decisions or doing those kinds of tasks where you're client facing and you're interacting with people over Zoom and on the phone. And so that evolves. But I could see where that could sometimes backfire if there's a person that isn't being allowed to capitalize on any of their strengths or is living in sort of the the areas where they have weaknesses and just feels that constant frustration. Oh, yeah. Like the ability of people to execute their job descriptions is so like, it varies so much based on what their strengths are. And that it isn't always something that you'll pick up just by asking them or talking to them either, right? Like sometimes it has to be like, and and I'll just use one example, some people who have high empathy, which is the ability to feel what other people feel, will get really overwhelmed when they get moved into a role where they do a lot of interacting with people because they can't not feel all of the emotions, especially in something like customer service or customer support. So acknowledging that like they're not likely to speak up and say, this is too much for me. They're likely to just quit. Mm. And so being able to have those discussions where you're saying like, hey, I see that you're really high in empathy. And I know that that's something that can be problematic when you're dealing with people who are complaining and who feel like it's your responsibility to fix everything and something like that. Can we have a conversation about how do we manage that better, right? Like, is there something we can do for you? And sometimes it's as small as changing the script that you give them 
for how they interact with people. So instead of saying things like, you're right, I'm going to fix that for you, where they're taking responsibility and ownership of those emotions. And then if the person isn't happy, they're never going to be happy. Right. So like that person will only last in your company for so long. So acknowledging how strikes work can be not only helpful in reassigning tasks and moving things around, but also just in the, how am I feeling connected with my job? And like, I'm doing a good job because not everybody uses the same language even to talk about how well am I doing in my job? Like there are some strengths where literally they're so conscious of all of the mistakes that they make that when you listen to them talk, you would think, oh, you hate this job. Like (laughs) it's off. And and then they'll look at you like, are you crazy? I love this job, but you just complained about it for five minutes. Ah, that's just my restorative. Right. But um, so like knowing the differences and the individual people can be so helped by this because it's that language of how do I talk about it, that everybody has the same language. So then you're attributing everything to positive places all the time. And I think it helps morale a lot. Those are really good points. And I think there's probably a component of it where you as a leader or manager need to be mindful of maybe how your strengths can come across. I know my number one is Achiever, our company president. Stephanie also has Achiever in there. So sometimes we will send emails at nine o'clock at night, not trying to create a sense of normalcy around, hey, uh, this you guys need to be working all the time and I expect a response. Sometimes it's just like we may be like I might be sitting on the couch and I have an idea or something and I'm like, I got to get this out and like this can move this project forward and I'm just going to go do it and have it be done with. And sometimes that might be misinterpreted by other people. So I find myself often telling my team members members, just because I do this, like I am not modeling that you need to do this particular thing. This is just how I am. It's hard for me to take vacations. It's hard for me to take days off. And it has nothing to do with like someone's pressuring me to feel like that. That's just kind of like how we are, right? Yeah. It's an internal motivation. And I think that's so important to underline the fact that everyone who's number one strength, like that's going to be almost like a a pair of goggles that you put on that you can't take off. So the fact that you have perspective about it enough to be able to say like, I'm not setting this expectation for you guys is so awesome. And then additionally, the normalizing of your behavior, right? Because I'm Mm -hmm. also a high achiever. So when I go on vacation, I take all my work with me everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the, the way that my family has adapted to that is that like I acknowledge with them, I love to work. If we're just sitting around doing nothing, I'm going to work. But if you want my attention, you have my permission to say, let's go to the museum. Let's go to Disneyland. Let's go here. Let's watch a movie. And I will put my stuff down and I will do that with you. But if, if you don't care if I work, I'm going to work because I'll feel more productive and better. And then I'll be okay taking the time to like go to the museum with you if I've gotten the work done that I want to get done. And I don't feel stressed out about getting work done. And I'm sure you don't either. As an achiever, what stresses <laughs> me out is not getting work done. <laughs> like I get so stressed out. I can't even, I'm like, oh, I haven't got enough things done today. Whereas if I finish everything, then I go to sleep and I sleep like a log because I feel so great about everything that I got done. And then I wake up tomorrow and want to do 50 more things. So when you're achiever and you can normalize that behavior with yourself and give yourself a language to communicate with your family, 
to say like, you all may not be wired this way, but this is not what my actions say. So if you read that, I want to change my actions so that I'm saying the right thing to you with what I'm doing. Yeah. I think that self-awareness, like it's something we always have to be mindful of. I know like for the longest time I was like, why do all day meetings drain me so much? And and I realized like it wasn't the talking to people. I like the talking to people. It was that thing of my work isn't done. I had 30 minutes spare the whole day. And so I had to think about like, okay, why don't I make like Thursdays and Fridays are my meeting free days. So I know that every week, at least I have two days where I'm going to have heads down focused work. And then if everything else goes awry Monday to Wednesday in the meetings, love that because I could, I felt that pressure and I know other people didn't feel it. Some people would be like, Oh, I'm on like meeting seven and a half hours and I'm good. And I'm like, but what about all the other work? What about the emails and the projects and the yeah. follow-up and the review of everything that was stressing me out. And I was like, Oh, okay, this is an achiever thing, right? Like you start to internalize your language of your stuff and you're like, okay, am I in the balcony or the basement here? Is this something where I can come up with a strategy for addressing this, whether it's for yourself or making it easier for your team members because you're aware of their you know, strengths and weaknesses too? Oh, yes. And I think one of the most important things about what you just did is that we make it other than ourself. Mm -hmm. So we talk about strengths. Like if you've ever seen Inside Out, the movie where they have the little cartoon people right inside of the head, I'm like, imagine that your strengths are like that. So when I want to get a bunch of work done, that's my achiever being caged up and feeling like I can't get enough work done. So sometimes I have to let the achiever out of the cage. But the most important part is that I, as, as Becca, the unified I, have made the choice to let the achiever do the work that it needs to do. And I'm not saying like, I feel like such a failure because I haven't gotten enough work done. Like I don't own that stuff for myself because it's not an identity piece for me, right? Like I'm not a bad person because I didn't get work done. Even though my achiever will sometimes be like, you're a bad person because you didn't get (laughs) enough work done. But I'll be like, no, no, no achiever. And I see the achiever as like the little, you know, yellow chick who's just like, this is what we want to get done. And this is, and we can do this and la la. la. And then because I, I picture her as a thing that I have some control over, then it gives me more control over her, over my achiever or over my arranger or input, because then they're not running me, right? Like I'm running them. And I think that's an important shift too. Yeah. That inside out analogy is great because you can make that decision sometimes of, all right, I'm going to let this one drive the bus for a while because of it's the one with the highest need right now, or I have something that's pressing that this one needs to take front and center. But it's, it's not like you have to live in that space, you know, like you can ebb and flow into those different strengths. So I love that. Well, I know I've already learned so much just by talking to you. We'll put links to the Strengths Finder and your books in the show notes. Where else can people go to find out more about you and your work? So if you go to betterfasteracademy.com and because anybody who hears of us on a podcast, we want you to take the test. So come and find us and we'll give you the test. Uh, We comp the tests uh, whenever I go on a podcast. So there's a little link at the top of betterfasteracademy.com. And it'll say, take the test because you heard about us on a podcast, and then you can take it for free uh, because we want you guys to have that information. Um, And so that's probably the 
kind of clearinghouse for everything uh, is betterfasteracademy.com. Awesome. That's great. And I cannot recommend taking the test enough. It is so helpful for figuring out more of the way that you think and work. And I think it can help a lot of attorneys out there figure out how to build the right team and allow people to lean into their strengths and uh, just become a better manager. So thanks so much, Becca. Yeah. Thanks for having me. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Christopher Eng. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by their participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Oh, 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 o